We are uh, diving and working our way through the book of Genesis, and uh, specifically, we're, we're, we're pausing in this sermon series called Culture Makers, and we're, we're looking at these creation ordinances from the creation account of Genesis 1 and 2, and we're looking at like work and, and rest and, and marriage, and we're just kind of taking a few weeks to specifically kind of hunker down and, and apply those creation ordinances to our life. So uh, last week we talked about work, and this week we are going to be talking about the Sabbath rest. And before I get any further, if you have uh, questions about the text, if you have questions about Christianity or kind of what we do as a church, my number is up on the screen. It's at the top of, the, of page 8 in the bulletin. Text me those questions. I'll, I'll spend five to seven minutes after the sermon anonymously uh, answering those. So that's, that's for you there as well to ask your questions. Uh, so today we are diving into this topic of the Sabbath. And so what I want us to do is for us to look at, uh, the text will be up on our screen. I'm just going to read uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 3 for us this morning. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let me pray for our time this morning. Well, Father, we come and as we open your word, God, we ask that we would sit underneath your word. Father, that your word would teach us and instruct us. God, this morning that you would show us what rest looks like for our busy, busy lives today. Would you show us where rest is found? God, would you allow us to be encouraged in the good news of the gospel? Father, and with that good news, would it be oxygen to our lungs? Father, would it give us life? And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we talked about work. In Genesis 2, verse 15, the Lord, it says this, The Lord God, he took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And what this means is that man, as we talked about last week, man was to know his field and man was to love his field. And the same is true for us today in our work, for us to know our field, our work, and to love our field and our work. And if we are to do this, if we are to expend the type of energy that, that our work requires, if we are to expend the type of emotional and physical energy that our work asks of us, if we are to give of ourselves to serve God and to love our neighbor through our work, then the only way for us to do this in a healthy manner, the only way for us to accomplish what God has called us to do with knowing and, and loving is for us to see and to understand that the Sabbath is this gift that God gives us. The Sabbath is this gift that God gives us. It is not a waste of time or just a good idea or just a, a good recommendation, but the Sabbath is a gift that we desperately need. 
And as we just saw in our text, that, that God had finished his creative work. He created the cosmos. He created the, the heavens and the earth, the sky and the sea. He had finished his creative work and he rested. And in verse 3, it specifically says that he, he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And I just want us to, to pause right there. That When it says that God blessed the seventh day, we might be just tempted to, to read that he blessed it, and we'll just keep on going through the rest of the text. But this, this fact that, that God blessed it, it isn't insignificant. It is important for us to see that, that when God, when he is blessing this day, that God is setting this day apart, and he's assigning to this day a purpose the purpose of rest. But when we know, but from what we know in the, in the creation account that when God blesses, not only does he establish a purpose for the day, but when God blesses, he also endows or gives the day the ability to fulfill its purpose. So when God blesses this day, he gives this day, the seventh day, the ability to provide and to bring for us rest. We see this phrase used in other instances in the creation account of, of God blessing. In Genesis 1.22, it says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So God is, is blessing the animals. He is giving them a purpose for them to fulfill, and then he is allowing them to fulfill that purpose, that they might procreate. Again, in Genesis 1.28, he says this to man and woman, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves. Again, we see this pattern of God blessing, of God giving purpose, and then of God giving a man and woman the ability to fulfill that purpose. And the Sabbath, it is a gift to us. It's a gift to us from our good God who not only desires for us to have rest, but he also gives us the ability and endows this day the ability to provide the rest that we need. And fast forward a little bit, we, we turn to the New Testament, and we see what Jesus says about the Sabbath. And in Mark 2, verses 23 through 28, just, just here, uh, listen, I'll, I'll read it for us. It's, it's not up on the screen. Uh, so this is in Mark chapter 2, and it says this, One day he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he, Jesus, said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And then Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord 
even of the Sabbath. So what we see here is that the disciples were getting accosted and accused by the Pharisees. Hey, you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be plucking heads of grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, no, no, no. No, they're hungry. They're hungry. That's why they're plucking the, the grain. And then he points back to the Old Testament, what David did. And what David did to, to feed and to nourish the men that he was with. So what Jesus is doing here is that he is, he is kind of expanding and, and, and showing us the purpose of the Sabbath. And we can't miss it that when he says that, that, that the Sabbath, it was, it was made for man. It was a gift. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That the Sabbath came into being. That God instituted the Sabbath for the sake of man, for the, for the good of man, and for all of God's creation. God has gifted us the Sabbath. It is this gift that we so desperately need. And I think that we so desperately need this gift because... Rest is difficult. Amen? Anyone? Anyone? Rest is difficult for us. And I think that there are a lot of reasons why I believe that resting on the Sabbath it is, and, and why it is, it is difficult. Maybe, you know, we have so much to do and so little time in our work hours to, to do it. We might even believe, right, that, that the rest is a waste of time, that I would have better use to, to get ahead on things, and that, that resting really isn't a good use of my time. And then we live in this culture of, of busyness, and it's almost this kind of this badge that we wear, this status or this reputation. I'm, I'm so busy doing this, or I'm so, I'm so busy doing that. And that doesn't help us rest at all, right? And, you know, we may not even know how to say no in our work. We may not know how to say no, and, and or we wish that we were better at saying no, or that we were able to discern when was a good time to say no, and, and when is not a good time to say no. And then, of course, work has evolved. Work has evolved, that, that we take our work home with us, that we can answer emails 24 hours a day around the clock. We can send emails 24 hours a day around the clock, that work has evolved, and that we take our work home with us. It just kind of permeates and, and there's, there's little to no, to no boundaries anymore if we, if we aren't careful, if we aren't intentional with our work, to not let it overrule us. But I believe like, that, that all of these things make, make rest difficult for us on the Sabbath. But, but what I believe is even, even uh, underneath or the root of, of all of and many of these things is summed up well here. Summed up well here. So, uh, like visitors to an art gallery who arrive 20 minutes before closing, we rush from exhibit to exhibit, fearful that we shall miss something worthwhile. The horizon of our own finitude haunts us, and we rush to cram as much as possible as we can into the available space. We travel faster and further, seeing and tasting more, trying out as many options as we can while we have the time at hand. And ironically, as a consequence... We have time for very little at all. So we're like visitors who arrive 20 minutes before closing at an art gallery. And we rush frantically from one exhibit to another, trying feverishly and frantically to see all that we can see with 20 minutes that we have left. And I think the, the root reason why rest 
seems to escape us, that why rest for us is difficult, it's not because we don't care enough about our work. That's not the reason. That's not the reason. The reason is not that because we don't care enough about our work. I think that, that many of us and, and all of us care deeply about our work. And we really do want to do our best. We really do want to be faithful into what to, to do what God has called us to do. So we care about our work. And yet, underneath the hood, if we were to open it up and look, I believe that, that we don't work from a place of rest. We don't work from this place of rest. We work from this place of fear. We work from this place of fear. We work scared. Fear drives our work. And it has us frenzied and, and frantic. We show up with 15 to 20 minutes late, left in the museum, so we go rushing around. And you know, this is an art lover's worst nightmare, right? Getting to the museum 20 minutes before it closes. I mean, you have, you have no time to leisurely walk through and move from exhibit to exhibit. You have no time to kind of stand back and take in a massive painting and then to move in close to look at the, the, the intricate brush strokes that, that have compiled and composed that painting. This is an art lover's worst nightmare that instead of delight and enjoyment, all of that gets smothered by fear. And by worry. So for me, I'd like to think that I am pretty good at napping, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a good napper. I will like just own it. I can take a 20 to 25 minute nap and boom, I am recharged. I am physically rested and I am ready to go. Don't be jealous. So, but you know, of course, of course I am I'm often physically tired. Of course I am. Who isn't, right? But yet, I know that a quick nap, for me, is a pretty reliable solution. That after 20 to 25 minutes, I am ready to go. It is a pretty reliable solution. So I think, for me, what is more difficult, where I struggle to rest on the Sabbath, what is difficult for me is that while I may be physically at rest, my mind is completely bombarded and preoccupied. You feel me? Do we know what that's like? My mind is completely and constantly preoccupied. I might be physically present with my wife and, and, and my kids, but my mind, it's, it's often in la-la land. It's preoccupied with, with things that, you know, uh, that I, loose ends that I didn't get to at work. It's preoccupied with the stuff that I didn't get to. It's, this, it's preoccupied with the stuff that I wish I had the time to get to. It's tough for me to unplug. I won't even tell you how many unopened text messages I have right now because it is kind of shameful, you know, or, or the email inbox. You can go on and on about why it is so difficult for us to, to unplug. The, 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 there are numerous reasons why our minds are just preoccupied with this and with that, with the loose ends from work that we just didn't get to. But you know, as I, as I unpack this in my own heart as I try to grow in my self-awareness, the deeper I go, I look underneath the hood, and I see, I see all this fear in my own heart. I see that, that fear, it, it saturates 
my heart. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of showing weakness, so I hide behind this, this, you know, this thing called perfectionism. Right? I'm afraid of being wrong, so I check, and I double-check, and I triple-check. I'm afraid of failure, so I'll, I'll work, and I'll rework, and the work is, is never done, right? It's never done. There's always something more you could do. You could have crossed this T and dotted this I. There's always something more you could have done. But as I unpack this for myself, the deeper I go, I just see how, how fear saturates my heart. And maybe you know what this is like. Maybe you can re- relate. Maybe you are tired of being tired. Maybe fear saturates your heart. It's no wonder that I'm so preoccupied when I'm trying to be at rest. My mind is going in so many different directions. And yet it's here, it's here in the midst of this fear that I believe the Sabbath applies. It's here in the midst of this fear that I believe that God's gift of the Sabbath to us is the antidote that it meets us. Because the Sabbath isn't just this day, uh, we work six days and then, and then we rest seven, this, this pattern of work and rest. Because the Sabbath isn't just this day that we can enjoy by just stop fearing. If, if we were just to, you know, if we were to require to just stop fearing before we could enjoy the Sabbath, then none of us would be able to enjoy the Sabbath. But instead, what the gospel says, the gospel proclaimed to us, is come to Jesus and bring your fears with you. That's the rest that the Sabbath invites us into. That we don't just figure out how to stop fearing and then come to Jesus, but instead we come to Jesus and we bring our fears with us. Because as, we, as we're going to see in this text, in Luke chapter 6, that this, the, whole, the whole goal, the whole purpose of the Sabbath isn't just for us to cease from our ordinary labors and just sort of idle along. That can't be the whole point or the goal of the Sabbath. Instead, we see in Luke chapter 6 and in many other instances where Jesus is healing and teaching on the Sabbath that, that Jesus, he points us towards wholeness, that Jesus points us towards restoration on the Sabbath, that we come to Jesus and we bring our fears with us. So in Luke uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, uh, we could throw that on the screen. So uh, again, similar to the text that we read uh, in Mark chapter 2. So on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you not, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then again, Luke follows that account with, with a very another uh, similar instance. So, and then on, on another Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man who was there, whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. 
But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, he said, he said, come, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. So here we see Luke talking about back-to-back accounts of how Jesus is is allowing us to understand and see the Sabbath. And in verses 1 through 5, the disciples, they're hungry, right? So they eat grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus defends them because their their stomachs were hungry and they needed nourishment. And then in 6 through 11, this passage where, where the man's hand is withered, Jesus, the Pharisees, are just watching and trying to trip Jesus up. And what does Jesus do? He says, stretch out your hand. So what does the man do? He, he comes and he stands here next to Jesus. And then Jesus heals the man's hand. He restores the man physically. But restoring him physically didn't just mean his hand was re- healed. Of course it meant that, but the implications were holistic. Jesus gave this man his dignity. He gave this man his dignity. He gave it back to him because for sure this, this man with the withered hand was, was pushed to the margins. He was marginalized and pushed on the fringes of society. And yet we see that Jesus, he comes to bring restoration. Jesus comes to bring wholeness. He defends the disciples so that they can be nourished. He heals this man's hand and restores not only that, physically, but also socially. The man is dignified. This restoration that Jesus brings, it is is holistic. And you know, when we look at the Scriptures, do we know what the most common command that we see from, from, from beginning to end of the Scriptures, the most common command that the Scriptures give us is do not fear is do not fear. It says, fear not. And that's just not the command. Almost in every instance of this command that we see in the Scriptures, to to do not be afraid or to not to fear, is this beautiful and wonderful promise that comes behind it. For I am with you. Do not fear. Fear not. For I am with you. And do you know what this promise does? Is that this promise of the presence of God being with us in the midst of our fears, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of suffering and trials, it enables us to not fear. That's what this promise does. It allows and it enables us to not fear. That the creator of the cosmos the one who knows the number of hairs upon your head, the one who knows that you're coming and you're going, knows when you sit and when you lie down, the one that says to you, aren't you more precious than the birds of the field, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, the one who made you and the one who instituted the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus himself is with you in the midst of your fears. He is with you in the midst of your fears. 
So this invitation of Jesus to us on the Sabbath is, is come to me and bring your fears with you. Come to me and bring your fears with you. So friends, the next time we are tempted to, to hide behind perfectionism, the next, next time we're tempted just to work and to rework and to, and to keep working, know that these promises of when the Scriptures say to us, do not fear, for I, the Lord your God, am with you. That, that promise enables us, it strengthens us to not be afraid. So when we talk about observing or keeping the Sabbath, the only way that we'll be able to, to be unburdened from working scared is through this promise. It's this promise that Jesus makes us, that he says to us, fear not, for I am with you. It is the person of Jesus that makes the Sabbath tr- truly restful for us. That's what Jesus does. That's the beauty of the gospel, that he brings real and absolute rest. So very practically, how do we even go about keeping the Sabbath? What does this look like for our busy lives today? What does it look like for us to observe, observe the Sabbath? So I want to talk to us about, about two different things here for application. I want to talk to us about preparing for the Sabbath. And I want to talk to us about enjoying the Sabbath. So prepare and enjoy. So we prepare for the Sabbath. We prepare for this day as you would, you, as you would prepare for your work before you head out on vacation. Do you know what I'm, I'm talking about? It, re- it requires you to, to think ahead a little bit before you were going out of town on vacation, before you put up your out of office email inbox. You need to think ahead a little bit. What do I need to get done before I leave? What am I going to wait to do that can't that I can wait to do until I return? You sort of plan ahead. You you anticipate what is coming and you kind of plan around it. Another way for us to prepare is simply by having a family meeting and just discussing around discussing this question, what is restorative for you? And asking those in our family, or just thinking about that question for ourselves and answering it, what is restorative for you? What is restorative for you and your family? Do you know what isn't restorative? You know, take time to discuss it and have this family meeting and and talk about how you will navigate differences when there are differences. You know, what is restorative for, for one person in the family may not necessarily be that restorative for another person in the family. So how are you going to discuss that? How will you compromise in order that your family may, may find rest and, and, and find restoration on the, sta- on the Sabbath? So, for instance, if you love cooking, then it might mean that you cook or that you bake together on the Sabbath. But if you don't like cooking, or you've done it all week, or you're tired of it, it might mean that, that you prepare a big meal on Friday or Saturday, and then you eat leftovers on Sunday. It's wonderful. There's no dishes to clean up. Well, very few. Uh, but we love eating leftovers on, on Sunday, on the Sabbath. So ask yourself the question, you and your family, what is restorative for you? And now, as you're thinking about how to prepare for the Sabbath, I, I realize that many of us, 
Many of us get scheduled to work on Sundays. For instance, our confession talks about these these things called works of necessities. They're the things that, that, we, that we feel that maybe go against the Sabbath at first glance, but they're actually really necessary, hence works of necessity. These include things like medical personnel, hospitals and, and nurses and phys- physicians, emergency personnel like fire and, and, and police staff. These institutions aren't closed on Sundays and they shouldn't be. It's a work of necessity. Those things are permitted on the Sabbath because they should never be closed. Also, parenting is considered a work of necessity that you cannot not parent your kids because it's the Sabbath or tell them, hey, kids, you're on your own today. You got to figure it out, right? Right? So, uh, but, but, but parenting would fall under the work of necessity. Heaven knows that I cannot leave Hudson in charge of Lewis for the day, even though I would really like to, but uh, can't do that. We can't get off the hook with that. Uh, and, and, you know, you may be asking, well, how do I prepare for the Sabbath if, if I just don't have control over my schedule? If I don't have control over my schedule, or if you don't have control over your schedule and your family is dependent upon you to work, then here are a few suggestions for you. And, and uh, these, are, these, are, these are kind of obvious, but I, I just want to say them. For, so for a few suggestions for you, you can request off. And I, I've, I've talked with some of you where, in instances, that works. And in other instances, that doesn't work. So what are you supposed to do when you want to rest on the Sabbath, but you're scheduled, and you request off, but your hands are tied? Well... You don't have control over your schedule. There's only so much that you can do. You have requested off. And if you are not granted that request, then I just would ask you, when is your, when is your day off? When will be your next day off? And then how will you rest? How will you rest well on that day off? If you're not able to get off on a Sunday, then how will you rest on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday? So prepare. Prepare for the Sabbath. Think ahead. Have a family meeting and just even discuss. It could be really fruitful. You know, I think a lot of times, in, even in my, my marriage, that Emily and I are wired differently. And just by having this kind of expectations talk about what is restful for me isn't necessarily restful for Emily. But unless we talk about it and discuss it, then we're going to be constantly trying to, like, you know, vie and butting heads on a day that just wouldn't be restful, right? So, so talk about it. It could be really fruitful if you haven't had this type of discussion before with what is restful for you, what is restful for your spouse, and how can you compromise and meet in the middle. So prepare, and now enjoy. I've talked a lot about resting and, and ceasing from our labors, but there's a reason that corporate worship is also part of our Sabbath rest. There's a reason why gathering together as God's people on a day like today is is part of our Sabbath rest. And the reason that that's part of it is because if, if what God intends for us on the Sabbath is wholeness, if what God intends for us on the Sabbath is restoration, then gathering together for corporate worship, it makes complete sense. I mean, think about it. All week long, we have this fear, fear in our work that comes 
and it goes. It's it just kind of like this pendulum, and it swings you back and forth. It, it saturates your heart. It, it leaves you preoccupied and unable to, to unplug in the evenings. All week long, we're faced with this fear. We're faced with decisions on how to work and when to work and when to stop working. We're, we're faced with these decisions on, on how, to light, how to live life and how to put the pieces together. And you know, we get just so used to just running around frantically that we, running around that museum frantically that we that we it just becomes the norm. We never get to stop and enjoy and leisurely walk through and and take our time. And you know we need corporate worship to hear the promises of the gospel, to pray and to sing to the Lord, to hear the word read and proclaimed, that the word of God, it would wash over us, that it would refresh us, that it would realign our hearts and bring comfort to our fears, that corporate worships, it invites us to rest in Jesus, that we come here on a Sunday and we come and you better believe we bring our fears with us. We don't leave them at the door. We don't Wait until we not fear to come to worship. We come, and Jesus invites us to rest in him. We bring our fears with us here in corporate worship. So again, thinking through what Jesus intends and what he shows us about the Sabbath, its purpose is restoration. Its purpose is is wholeness. And this is why we see that Jesus, he healed on the Sabbath. He healed a man's hand. He healed a man physically and socially. And this is why even, you know, in our, in our confession, it talks about this thing called works of mercy. And that these are, are permitted on the Sabbath too. So works of mercy, stuff like loving your neighbor as yourself, stuff like loving the poor or, or opening your home for hospitality on, the sun, on, on a Sunday, that all of these things can cultivate wholeness and restoration, these works of mercy. I mean, Jesus shows mercy time and time again on the Sabbath throughout the gospel. So works of mercy, what does that look like to, to gather together with friends and, and to feast and to enjoy and, and, and to eat and just spend time together? So I'll end, I'll end by saying this, the Sabbath, it is, it is a gift. It is a gift that we desperately need. It's a gift we desperately need because we work scared. We run around frantically trying to stop and enjoy with 20 minutes left in the museum, but we can't. And yet on the Sabbath, Jesus says, come, come and enter my Sabbath rest. He says to us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray.